0: Good morning. My name is Regina. I'm one of the pastors here. It is so good to be with you this morning, um, whether you're here in person or with us on the live stream. Welcome. Most days, as soon as I open my eyes, I am already thinking a lot of things. As my day goes on, I continue to think a lot of things, my mind fills up very fast. What are the tasks needed to get done at work? Does everyone in my household have lunch? Are we What are we prepping for dinner that night? Did I remember to reach out to that friend? How will I answer that email? Do I want to go to the gym later this afternoon? Did I remember to put an extra outfit in Evie Mae's backpack? Am I being a good wife and mom? Truly, the sky's the limit. If it is possible to think about it, I am. Not only is my mind generally very full, I need to speak out loud the things running through my mind. I am an out loud processor. No one knows this better than my blessed husband, Jeff. And if you see him, you should give him a pat on the back and commend him for his impeccable listening skills. If you know any out loud processors, you know that we need to talk about things, generally in circles until we figure out what it is that we feel. We may feel 50 emotions in the time that it takes you to feel just one. It's rather impressive, but the out loud part is vital and truly helps our brains figure out what it is that we actually think. What we think and how we think are both really telling pieces of who we are as people. We all think differently, we all process differently, but the Apostle Paul, the author of Philippians, gives us a recipe of sorts for how we might order our thoughts no matter who we are. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. A couple of weeks ago as we began preparing for this series, I was in the midst of a situation where I was experiencing an emotion some of you may know. It was called frustration. Um, Perhaps one might call it, I was feeling angry sat down in my car and was just feeling these emotions well up inside of me. And then I began to say out loud, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. As these words began to come out of my mouth, it slowly brought me back down and centralized my focus. These are the things we are to fill our minds and our mouths with. And as Jacob outlined for us last week, it's vitally important to living into who God created us to be. He said, what you think about affects how you feel. Our feeling is connected to our thinking. What you think about affects what you do. The thought patterns that you set up affect your actions. And what you think about affects who you are. The mind is mighty, mighty, powerful. It seems basic, but it's really important. Our thoughts control our emotions, our actions, and ultimately has an impact on the core of who we are. No movie has ever portrayed this reality better, in my opinion, than the movie Inside Out. In Inside Out, we're taken into the world of a young, playful girl named Riley who's uprooted from her home in the Midwest and moved to the big city in San Francisco. The movie takes us inside her brain where her emotions, joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness all live. Riley is trying to reconcile and figure out how her emotions might respond to this new life, and they are at odds. In her brain or her control center, we watch the dominating emotion that Riley is feeling take control of her brain, and it orders her steps, her actions, and how other people actually view her. Midway through the movie, Riley allows one of her emotions, sadness, to dominate all of who she is, and we see the effect that this has on her relationship with her parents, on attempting to make new friends, how she's able to experience the things that she loves most in the present, and even alters how she remembers her past. Like Riley, we all have a lot of things that happen in our lives, good bad all of the in-between and we all have emotions that we are feeling as we walk through all of those things they're important but we can take ownership of the emotions in our minds so that we don't allow them to dominate our entire being joy fear anger disgust sadness these are all valid emotions that are given to us by god and We can choose to live into the health benefit of the emotion, experiencing it and allowing it to fuel us to grow, or we can live in the impairment side that leaves us unhealthy, stuck, and in the dark, believing lies. I'm going to read a few verses just before verse 8 to help us before we continue to dive in further. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So, how do we do that? It's not easy. In fact, it's really, really hard. Even after everything that I'm about to say, I preface it all by saying that this ain't easy. It isn't for me, and I know that it's not easy for you. So I don't say this as someone who has it on lockdown, but I really, truly believe that this is what God desires, full surrender of our entire being, the strongest of which is our minds. So here are the first few steps that Paul gives to us. We can think of it um, like medicine, if you will, will, for us to thrive. He says we fill our minds with things that are true. Truth is something that is factual. Truth is reality. Does anyone in here ever tend to rabbit trail inside your mind? I do. If I feel a twinge in my knee, it doesn't take long for me to rabbit trail that I'm going to need a knee replacement fairly soon. It seems a rather quick jump, but if I do not intentionally work on remembering what is true, my powerful mind can overtake me. The sky is blue. That is true. God's love is unconditional. That is true. Not a single person in this world is unloved by God. That is true. What things have you told yourself that are untrue? When we are honest and really take inventory of the things that we tell ourselves, it may not be super pretty. True or untrue, though. They both matter for us to be honest with ourselves and order our minds as God desires. It may be true that you have a drug problem. It may be true that you have an eating disorder, but we cannot fully live in the light if we are telling ourselves untrue things in the dark. If I know it's true that I have a drug problem, I can tell myself the next true thing and say, I need to go to rehab. If I know it's true that I have an eating disorder, I can tell myself the next true thing and I can go and see a doctor. If I know it's true that I say a lot of self-deprecating things inside my mind and I, in turn, take that out in ways in which I treat my family, I can do the next true thing and seek counseling and ask humbly for forgiveness from my loved ones. Truth nourishes us with God's power and strength. We fill our minds with things that are true. So next, Paul says, We fill our minds with things that are noble. The word noble feels awful fancy to me. I automatically begin to think of uh, the queen of England and dukes and duchesses and princes and princesses and fancy balls. And part of the definition for the word noble is belonging to a hereditary class with high social or political status. The second definition is having or showing fine personal qualities or high moral principles and ideals. Both of these definitions are true for us. We may not be kings and queens, but we are the people of God. We come from a long lineage and hereditary order of people that God put on this earth to prepare the way for Jesus and then to seek to live like Jesus, our King. He had the highest of social or political status. He showed us the finest personal qualities and moral principles. And we are to order our minds and our steps like him. We are to seek to be noble like Jesus. We are to fill our minds with the things that Jesus might. If Jesus wouldn't do it or say it, don't do it. Even as I say that, though, I begin to cringe a little bit myself and feel some anxiety as I say it out loud, because I know what goes on in my mind and what comes out of my mouth sometimes, and I know that it isn't always showing fine personal qualities or moral principles. In layman's terms, I mess up and often, and I know that we all do. This concept of nobility got me thinking about a friend of mine who has been sober for seven years. Her name is Sarah, and she lives her life in a very honest and noble way. It made me think of her process in Alcoholics Anonymous and how people in this process seek to order their mind, body, and spirit. As Christians, we seek to live a noble and moral life, all the while knowing that it doesn't place us in some higher bracket of perfection, but rather offers us the opportunity to humble ourselves and make amends where needed throughout our lives. My friend Sarah said... I think a noble life is one where I learn to treat myself with ever-deepening dignity and grace, and I learn to extend that ever-deepening dignity and grace to everyone around me. By seeking forgiveness, I learn to forgive myself and extend forgiveness to others. Filling our minds with noble things does not mean that we are seeking to be perfect or placing ourselves above others. It's recognizing, actually, that we can come down and realize that we are imperfect, seeking to set our minds on Jesus, the noblest of all. And lastly, for our purposes today, Paul continues to say, we fill our minds with things that are right. It is right to love our brothers and sisters here in this community and across the globe. It is right to give encouragement to our friends that we see succeeding in accomplishing goals that they've worked hard for. It is right to lift high God's name in community with other believers. It is right to give thanks to God for the blessings in our lives in all circumstances. It is right to stand up for people who are lost, forgotten, or mistreated. It is not right to gossip whether behind someone's back or in the comment section of someone's Facebook post tucked behind our computers, whether you know the person or you do not. It is not right to only live our lives focusing on ourselves and our own self-betterment. It is not right to hold grudges, judge others, belittle our children when we are upset. We are to fill our minds with things that are right. With most things, it's pretty obvious if it is right or not, and no one should fill their minds with it. There are also some things that are not right for me that may be right for you. And this is where we have to truly be intentional and self-reflective to know what we can fill our minds with and what we cannot. I used to watch scary movies that may not seem like that big of a deal, and a lot of people really like scary movies. They can be great for some people. but They cause me anxiety, and afterwards, I don't feel good. And in fact, I don't just not feel good, I am filled with fear. And so, I do not fill my mind with scary movies because it is not right for me. I used to struggle with an eating disorder as a teenager and young adult, so it is not right for me to weigh myself daily. There are things that I cannot do because it does not fill my mind with things that are right. And so I do not do those things. It takes filling our mind with truth, nobility, and the things that are right for us to be able to honestly live in this way. What do you need to do, say, or adjust to be filled with truth, nobility, and rightness? There's another element here that I think is really important, and if we're not careful, can easily get misconstrued if we're not clear. This is not a motivational self-help recipe that ties things up in our lives into little bows. What I mean is filling our minds with the things of God is a call to fill our minds with God's peace, goodness, and love. This does not mean that our minds will only be full of positive daisies and roses or that there will be an absence of conflict, nor is it an excuse to be conflict-avoidant, truth, nobility, rightness. Filling our minds with these things is our knowing and trusting that God is in control and God is with us. God is true and worthy of praise in all things, but we may still be sad. We can have God's peace and assurance and be grieving. We can fill our minds with truth, nobility, and rightness and still mess up or be angry or have hard things happen to us or need to sit down and have that hard conversation with a loved one or struggle with anxiety or depression. This is not, unfortunately, a get-out-of-jail-free card to a perfect life. But doing these things... Will give us the ability to have an honest life with God and the world around us. The very next verse in this Philippians passage closes by saying, Put this into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. In verses 13 to 14, Paul goes on to say, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This does not say that our whole life will be easy or that we will live perfect lives. It says that we will never have to do anything alone and we will be fueled and strengthened by God to think on the next true, noble, right thing. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think on such things. Amen.